0: I'm going to go straight into the word just to kind of give you guys a disclaimer. I'm going to be, my name is um, Pastor Emmanuel, and I'm going to be reading from um, the New King James Version. For those of you guys that were here, how many of you guys were here last week? Show hands if you were here last week. All right, great, great. Um, title of last week's sermon Freedom in the Father. All right, Freedom in the Father, part one was entitled Where is your father? Is your father? Someone say to the person next to you, Where is your father? All right, all right, all right. I love this because sometimes, as Pastor Kay said, and I encourage you guys to definitely join us for um, Thursday's connection groups as well as midweek prayer because these are the reasons why it helps us not only remember the word, but also live out the word of God. If you guys, With that said, if everybody can quickly turn with me to Romans chapter 6, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. If you're there, say aye. Aye. All right, great. And it goes as follows. I'm going to be jumping through um, various scriptures today, so please make sure your finger is on the buzzer as you guys are ready, or through the scriptures as we're ready to see what the Lord has in store for us for freedom in the Father Part Two, which I'll be sharing with you the title of that section. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall, we, how shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Or do we not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Verse 4, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Someone say, Slaves of sin. Verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. Someone say once and for all but that the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it, In its lust, verse 13, and do not present your members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God being alive from the dead and your members as an instrument of righteousness to God. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Someone say dominion over you. For you are not under the law but under grace, blessed be the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the power of your grace. I thank you for grace that abounds. I thank you because Jesus came and he has come to break sin from our lives. I thank you for the remembrance of your holy word in the book of Romans, oh Lord. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, as we, as I speak forth, let me speak as an oracle of God, as a vessel of God. That not only I will be enriched, but also the memory members online and those present before me will be blessed, enriched and will be able to live out your holy word in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen and amen. Before I tell you the title of part two of this sermon, I find it interesting about Romans. As I've always told my mentees and my friends, if you ever hear me say I'm reading Romans chapter 8, I always say Romans 8 on my plate. That's usually when I'm in a season and my flesh is just doing the most. My flesh just really wants to misbehave for whatever reason it may be. And now I say Romans eight on my plate, and usually, it's re- mainly from Romans six to Romans eight, you will find that on my plate when I really want to kind of my flesh is misbehaving. I'm like, no, nah, it's time to discipline you. It's time to bring you <clears throat> into obedience with God the Father and with God the Son, and through the power of our Holy Spirit. But last week I shared with you freedom in the Father, and part one, as we said earlier. <clears throat> Is that icon on? That icon's really getting my throat. You guys are looking at me. This guy's coughing. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, And part one was entitled. Um, where is your father? And we looked at various things in part one. It, It aligned with Father's Day, and that was quite interesting because we looked at some of the relationships that we may have with our earthly fathers. And some of us, our earthly fathers might not be here. Some of us, we've never known our earthly fathers, like I shared with you, my relationship with my earthly father, who I've never met till this day, and I just shared with you some of the journeys and the thoughts I've had with that. I shared with you that some people have had earthly fathers that are present but not actually present. And sometimes having those sorts of relationships can distort our actions, our behaviors. But it's important to know that despite all of that, it's important to know that we always still have a Heavenly Father. A Heavenly Father that watches over us, that loves us. A Heavenly Father that even despite some of our failings, our hardship, and some of the pains and problems that we may have gone through, He's always there, He's always watching, He's always protecting, He's always cultivating, and He's always guiding us. And why did I entitle this series Freedom in the Father? Because I've come to learn that there is an importance of knowing that as a believer we forget that we are truly free. We looked at Romans chapter 8, sorry not Romans, John chapter 8 verse 32 onwards and we began to see whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We looked at all of these things. What does it mean to find freedom and where does true freedom come from? Because we live in a world and in a time when everyone wants to be free. Who remembers a period? And everyone was about Yolo. Does anyone remember that period? And everyone was about Yolo. Yeah, like Yolo, yeah, like this Yolo. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and we forget that. No, <laughs> we don't only live once. <laughs> you die once, but you live on forever. And we need to be aware of that. But why am I entitled freedom in the father? So we know what true freedom looks like. But also know that true freedom still came at a cost. True freedom came at a cost. And when we looked at, who is your father, so we can understand the relationship with our Heavenly Father, part two is entitled, Freedom in the Father, Slave to Sonship. Freedom in the Father, Slave to Sonship. And the reason why I bring this up is because I realize that one of the things that really stop us, distort us, or damage our relationship with our Heavenly Father is this thing called sin. This thing called sin, this sin that is a stain, this sin that is rebellious, this sin that separates us from the love of the Father, that separates us from having communion with the Father, communion with the Son, and communion with the Holy Spirit. Sin really, really tries to damage our sin, really, really tries to bring us down. Sin really, really tries to distort our mindset at times. And we're going to explore that and understand how do we go from sin... And how does sin almost make us a slave to something? And how do we come away from that place of sin and walk in a place of sonship? And I'll explain more about that later on. But point number one is understand this. Whatever you seek, you so whatever you seek, you become a slave to. Whatever you seek, you become a slave to. Turn with me to Romans chapter six, and I'm gonna read further down from verse fifteen to twenty three. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that whom you present yourselves, um, sorry, who you present yourselves, slaves to obey, you are the one slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness, verse 17. But God be thanked that though you are slaves of sin, Yet you obeyed from your heart the form of doctrine to which you were delivered. The form of doctrine which you were delivered. And hold on to that thought for a moment. Verse 18. And having been set free from sin, you became a slave to righteousness. I love this because throughout we're seeing Paul share that, even way, you're still a slave to something. I remember when I first became a believer and I read this. I was like, hold on. So I was a slave to sin, but now I'm a slave to righteousness. So even way, I'm still a slave. And I wrestled with that as a believer because every time I heard the word slave, I see negative connotations with that word. Anyone else there, or just me? Can okay, you imagine someone even we have it with our friends and people see us on social media, they're like, look at me, you're a slave to Instagram. Oh, don't say I'm a slave to Instagram. You can't put it down. That term slave is that we're, we're, we're bound to something. And, and I really struggled with understanding this. Why am I a slave to God for? What is this? Why do I still have to be a slave to something? But I realized that being a slave to God and a slave to righteousness means that you're always pursuing what is good for you. You're always pursuing what is right for you. You're always pursuing righteousness and, and being in full alignment with God. Verse 19, and I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness, And of, sorry, and of cleanness and lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness for what? Holiness. It's like, whoa. It said, verse 19, you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness. So once you're unclean and now you're lawless. So you're unclean, you've probably fallen into sin, you've made mistakes, but now you're like, you know what? Since I've fallen, I might as well continue to free fall. People are like, well, I'm down anyway. Let me just continue with it. I slipped up once, you know, since I may, I might as well continue in it. And we're seeing it leads to what? More unlawlessness. But it says, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for holiness. Verse 20. And when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed For the end of those things is what? Death. You are now ashamed. You are now ashamed. Sin. The uncomfortable conversation. I'll never forget when my cousin first got saved. And I remember going to her house and my cousin, uh, bless her soul, man. When We we used to do everything under the sun. I went to Kingston University. Any Kingstonians in the building? No, no, no. Look at you guys. You guys all went to the Holy Ghost universities like Luton and Harvardshire where things were righteous and beautiful and wonderful. Roe Hampton, all right, I see where you are. And what was interesting about that is that when I think back to my wonderful life in Kingston, it wasn't so wonderful. It felt wonderful in sin, but thanks be to God that I'm alive because if I died in that moment, I would have died in my sin. I would have died in the very thing that I thought pleased me. But one of the things that we forget is that when we are in our sin, if any of you right now, as I'm literally literally speaking here online, if you guys could see a video of some of my actions, forget my thoughts, my actions in Kingston, I would probably run, I would flee, I would hide. And the problem with sin is that we don't want anyone else to see it, but if we're to be honest, we're very quick to mock other people when theirs gets exposed. We, even the baby made a sound right in that moment. Because if you can't say amen, definitely say ouch. And one thing we're beginning to see, even just as recent as what we've been seeing in the media, of people that we have in high regard, that we have respect of, almost being exposed first in just an image and a picture. Not knowing the few hours later, it's now in video, and people are all like, oh my days. And you're seeing the comments, you're seeing the mockery, you're seeing this, and everyone's pointing the picture, everyone's pointing the finger, including myself, like, oh my days, look, the people that are meant to lead us, look what's happening, until the Holy Spirit convicted me. I said, hold on, you forgot you've got dirt too but the difference between you and this person is that they're in the public eye and now it's been made public towards everybody's eye. But yours hasn't, but you think you're better than them. So you point the pitch, you point the finger, like look at them, look what they're doing, how dare they do this, how dare they do that. Like you haven't broken certain rules and certain laws. And the Holy Spirit brought my heart to a place where I asked to think about, what about their husband? What about the wives? What about the children? The exposure? You see, it almost seems that theatre and EastEnders to us and entertainment to some degree, but that pain and that mockery goes way beyond what you can ever imagine. That sin, it's there, it's there, it's potent and it's public and it's painful. And as I started thinking of that, wow, I started praying like, Lord, forgive me, but also have mercy on such people. Have mercy because it's so easy to point the finger. As one person says, as you're pointing one finger forward, three are still pointing back at you. And we need to remember that sin, this slave to sin, has a massive detriment onto each and every single one of us. And that's why verse 22 said, But now, having been set free from sin, um, having become slaves of God, you have your fruits to holiness, and the end is everlasting life. Therefore, what should we be pursuing? Holiness. Turn with me to First Peter chapter one verse thirteen through to twenty one, and I'm only going to pick parts of this. First Peter chapter one verse thirteen through to twenty one. Therefore, gird up your loins. Of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to that is to be brought to you as a revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Please, the reason why I wanted to highlight obedient children, because if we're talking about freedom in the father, if somebody is a father, then that means that person needs to have children. But guess what? We need to understand that it's one thing to be, there are two types of children, a rebellious child and an obedient child. And the word of God that I read, it tells me that obedient is better than what? Sacrifice. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your what? Former lusts. As in your ignorance. And this is why I began to see that we need to be slow to judge and to criticize. Because some of the things that we were doing when you are a slave to sin, at times you are also ignorant. How many times have you probably had a chat with a friend that doesn't know the Lord? I'll never forget. And I was saying with my cousin and we used to have certain chats. Like, who's that girl on your phone? I'm like, oh, Yeah, that me and that girl, yeah. Yeah, we just slept with each other. Oh, you fornicated I'm like, Ah, don't use that word, fornication. No, 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 don't use that word. She's like, That's what it is. And like. No, and I'm like, we just kind of slept, man. We just like lay down. Like, no, no, you fornicate. For some reason, that word fornication is too strong for me. It, like, when I hear it, it almost sounds like a swear word. Anybody else or just me? Can you imagine if all the rappers and all the people that you listen to, they start putting fornication in their lyrics from now on? Some of you guys won't even call it lyrics anymore. Some of the Afro beats, you'll be killing that beat. You're not listening to that no more. And as I started listening to that and hearing that, I'm like, whoa. When my cousin used to do that and had that, I'm like, nah, those words, some biblical words are too strong. It, like, it hits me differently. I don't know about you guys, but when the Holy Spirit lives within you, you're like God, Ah, forgive me that mess. Please remove it from me, and you begin to see these things. But what does it tell us? It says, rest fully upon the grace that has been brought to you as a revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming to your former lust as in your ignorance, but as He who called you is what holy, be holy in all your conduct. In all your conduct, because it is risen, be holy for I am holy. Jesus is definitely, see, it's one thing to be saved and call yourself a son or a daughter of the most high. But also understand within your saving and in within your calling, you are called to be holy. Yeah, it's hard. We don't like having a conversation. Sometimes it's not pro- popular to preach about it nowadays, but it's in the word of God. And therefore it must be spoken. Verse 17. And if you call on the father... Who, without partial ju- um, judges, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were—sorry—knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers. Do you know why I love that scripture? Because I know that we live in a world where people try to bribe their way to the top. We live in a world where people like—you know what? here's silver and gold, here's some money. You know, what's your bank account? I'll send that to you. Yeah, it's called, cool. sh hush, hush. And that's why the word of God tells us that the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. And if we could see some of the things that God sees, that God knows in the dark, that we don't even know about, We will truly be surprised by what things people will do with the love of money that they have in order to either hide their darkest deeds, in order to hide some of the mess and some of the things that are are an abomination before the true Lord and Savior that we have. Even when you see the things that child trafficking and how you can connect that to people in power in some states and countries and nations, you'll be very surprised what things and what levels people will go to within their depravity. But we must be aware that we must be should walk in holiness. Be holy. Point number three. Deal with your abandonment issues as your desires can lead to death. Deal with your abandonment issues as your desires can lead to death. In order to find freedom in the father and to move from this place of slave to sonship, you need to be aware of your abandonment issues. Some of us may have abandonment issues some people are going into relationships in order to feel whole and they say that's my other half. There is no such thing because the word of God that I read tells me that I am made complete in Christ because if that is true, that means Apostle Paul died half a man. Oh, but if I'm not married, I'm not whole and unfortunately, some of the traditions of our parents believe until you find a spouse or a life partner, you're still not made complete. And then some of us may read scriptures and say, but Jesus said it's not good for man to be alone and that is very true. That is very true. But that doesn't mean because one is alone that one is is not whole. That doesn't mean because one is alone, one is not whole in God, we must deal with our abandonment issues. Look at James chapter 1, verse 15, please, through to 17. Then, when your desires has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. It comes from who? The Father. There is freedom in the Father. He has perfect gifts for you. But be careful that you must align your desires with God's destination, which is your destiny for your life. Because if you don't, Some desires that you have without godliness can lead to death. Our desires, when conceived, brings forth sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Sometimes that could be death in a marriage, death in a friendship, death in a job, death in a business. I've had conversations with friends that upon praying and fasting and revealing, the Holy Spirit revealed to them that the reason why you lost that business in that moment in time Was because your disobedience, you forgot how to be a good steward of what God blessed you with. God didn't take away, but your disobedience broke down that barrier. Why do I say that? Because we must be aware of this. Yes, God forgives. God covers. But we must understand is this. One is free to choose what you want to do, but you're not always free from the consequences of your choice. You see, the consequences of such choices led to certain things. The same way if somebody commits a crime or commits murder and they're in prison but they give their life to God before the trial and they still go to prison, are they not saved? Of course they're still saved. But the consequences of their actions still left them imprisoned. But what they need to be aware of is this. Some people's doctrine tells them that if you're in prison, maybe God doesn't love you, maybe God did it for you. No, because God is still with them in the prison. Because they are saved and God will walk with them and grant them peace and provision even within such a place. But the consequences of their actions led them to such a place. Please, we must be mindful of these things because if we do not deal with our abandonment issues, those desires can lead to death. Where do you feel abandoned? Where do you feel let down? Where do you feel that, oh, this didn't come for me? I never had this in my childhood. Or or because my father wasn't around, I'm going to go around living a particular life. Or because I grew up in a household of poverty, I'm now going to commit a crime. Or because I've seen my parents live, live a promiscuous life, or they live life of fornication, I'm going to do it too. No, those abandonment issues where you may feel abandoned, that doesn't mean you should continue living in such a state. But we must learn to change our mind state. And I love a person that showed a great example of how to deal with things like that. And it's a man that I love called Joseph and turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 6 verse 12 and I'm going to focus on verse 9 but turn with me quickly to that particular scripture. I love what he says and what he does and the reasons why. Verse 6, thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was a handsome in form and appearance. I think God should have named me Joseph, boy. Right? When he said that, trust me, I'm like, oh, what, Joseph, look at you, some Nigerian handsome chocolate Maltese geezer like yourself. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Verse 7, and it came to pass that after all these things, that the master's wife cast, cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me, lie with me. You see, I love this because she's casting longing, longing eyes. She saw that man Joseph. Ah, look at this, this wonderful, wonderful wonderful-looking geezer of a man. And as she casted longing eyes on him, verse eight tells me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, "Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has has. Oh, sorry, he has committed all that he has to me in my hand." Verse nine. There is no greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his what? Wife. Now, sorry, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? Sin against who, guys? God. You know what I love about Joseph? He raises the bar. Because some of the things that happen to us is that, I can't do this, man. I can't sleep with my, my boy's girlfriend or my boy's wife. I can't do this. And sometimes what happens in our mind, because the bar, we think the bar is higher, that bar is actually low. Because we're mindful, we're thinking of the person that we may know of, or the person that's in our vicinity, or the person that we've grown up with, or the person that we think is our friend. And sometimes we're like, you know what? As believers, we say, how much sin can we commit without actually getting exposed? What happens if I, how much sin can I commit and still be a Christian and get away with? As we see in the scripture, because grace abounds, should we continue and sin? No, God forbid. He says, No. But he raises the bar. He doesn't even say, I cannot sin against you and Potiphar. Because the whole example was about Potiphar. He's given me all of this, he's given me all of that. I can't do this to him. Nah. He says, I cannot sin against who? God. Against God. He raises the bar. And when I begin to see this, he understands that the freedom he has within the Father to be in unison still needs obedience. Because true integrity means there is unity. He wanted to be a man of integrity, but there's something interesting here. Even though he walked in integrity, what happened? He says here, further down in verse 10. So it was, and as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or be with her, verse eleven. But it but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men was in the house. Sorry, none of the men of the house was inside. Verse 12, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Do you know why I love that? Because one of the dangers of sin is that if you flirt with it long enough, you'll be be seduced by it. The problem with sin is that it it is a form of seduction. And the problem with seduction is that our pride makes us believe that I will never fall into that. And that's why I always tell people, be careful when you use the word never. I'll never do that. I'll never commit that crime. I'll never do that sin. You'd be surprised if you're in that space long enough. That spirit of seduction will pull you in that you're like, oh my days, how did I find myself here? How did I get here? How did this happen to me? But what did he do? Something so interesting about this, because when you look at verse 11, it says he came to do his work, but nobody was in the house. What am I sharing now? I'm sharing that with you guys. It's important to find accountability. On this journey of having a relationship with a father, please find accountability. Because if there's nobody in the house, what happened to him after this, when she kept his garment, even though he fled for his life? She used it against him and he found himself imprisoned. Even though he kept himself as a man of integrity, he was still imprisoned for still keeping intact the relationship that he has with the father. And he fled. What am I saying here? When that spirit of sin, when that flesh just wants to pull you, flee. Because if you think you can trust in your flesh, you're a foolish person. Because your flesh will finesse you very quick. Very, very quick. Flee flee find accountability repent come boldly to the throne of grace make a request known to god confess your sins to a righteous person because the prayer of a righteous man availeth much he said he fled and where ran where outside and sometimes outside for you guys means away from that very vicinity or that space that you find temptation in that relationship that says oh come on man we can still be christians and, and still do certain things as long as we don't have sexual intercourse Oh, but no, I, I can't do that. I'm saved. Oh, come on. If you don't want to do it, I'm going to leave you anyway. Oh, all, right, all right, okay, cool. And, and the guy, all the girls, oh, come on, let, let's meet in the middle. The problem with meeting in the middle is that he just wants to find himself between your middle. You need to run from such a place. You need to run from such a place. Compromise will lead you to a place where you are deluded. Compromise will lead you to a place where you lose more than what you ever expected. Do not find yourself in that place where you are compromising the things that you want and compromising to say, you know, what? let me just kind of find myself in the middle. Do not compromise your convictions. If you aim to meet someone in the middle sexually, you will find yourself in the middle of a messy situationship rather than in a place of sonship. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 7, it says the righteous man walks in integrity and his children are blessed after him. Why is that important? Because if there's freedom in the father and you're maintaining that relationship with the father, as you continue to walk in integrity, even your own seed by the grace of God will still walk in integrity and they will be blessed in Jesus' name. Point number four, go home to your father. Go home to your father. Go home to your father. Luke chapter 15 verse 17 Luke chapter fifteen verse seventeen. But when he came to his when he came to himself, he said, "How many of my fathers have hired servants, have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger?" Why is this interesting? Because if you go further up, it tells you in verse fourteen. It says, "But when I had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land." And then I began to want. Then he went and joined himself to the citizens of that country. Be careful of the citizens you join with, cause such citizens may lead you to a place or a path or a habit or a habitual sin. Please be careful. And he sent and he sent himself into the fields and fed and sorry to feed with swine. To feed swine, rather. Because when you're in that place and feed with swine, what was interesting about the prodigal son, he didn't just eat the pods, he ate the pods that fell from the swine's mouth. Secondhand food. Can you imagine eating your friend's vomit? Can you imagine eating your friend's vomit? But that's what sin is. In front of a holy living God. Eating your friend's vomit. Some of you are like, like, that's worse than some of the stuff we've been seeing in the media. Way worse. But that's what sin looks like. But what happened? It said, in seventeen, he, verse 17, he came to himself. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? Verse 18, I, I would arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I love what he does here. He looks at him in both perspectives. I've sinned against you, my father, and I've sinned against heaven because he knows there is a heavenly father. He knows there is one that sees all, God that knows all. But what began to happen after that? I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I love this because it, it shows that he was a son, but he, he realized he wanted to become a servant. He was willing just to be a, a slave or a servant. Just put me anywhere. Put me anywhere but where I've come from. Put me anywhere. Verse 20. And here, sorry, verse, um, where am I? So, verse twenty, yeah. And he arose and came to his father, and when he was still a great far off, when he was still a great way off, pardon, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, and the son said to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and against in your sight, and I am no longer to be called your son." Verse twenty-two. But the father said to his servants, "Bring me the best robe, put it on him." and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet. Do you know why I love that? Because when you know there's freedom in the Father, no matter what you have ever done in your life, your God still loves you. No matter what sin you've ever committed, your God still wants to be with you. No matter what place you've ever found yourself in, God still has a place for you. What did he put on him? He put a best robe on him, just not a normal robe. The best robe. He put a ring on his finger and he put sandals on his feet. And as I was reading that, the conviction that came upon me was that I believe the robe signified covering. I believe the ring signified identity. And I believe the sandals signified direction. The robe saying, listen, I've covered you. Don't worry about wherever you've been. I believe the ring signified your identity. You are my child. You are a child of the king, the most high living God. And I believe the sandals signified. it. Direction. That was what came to me, the conviction that came to me as I was reading this. And as I was saying, I believe that when you are truly in God, when you're truly in God, you will find direction in Him. Verse 24, what does it say? It says, For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Why is that interesting? Because if he believes his son was dead, that's also like sin. When sin is in your life, you're like dead, you're like a dead corpse. But when you are alive through the righteousness of our living God and the power of God, guess what? You are made free. You are free to live. You are free to breathe. You are free to do the things that all the things that God has called you to. Understand this. My dear brothers and sisters, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30, it says, The Lord your God, who goes before you, will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. I want you to understand this. God will fight for you. There are some things you've ever done, you've ever experienced, and you're like, God, I'm not good enough. You know the problem with sin? Sometimes you can't forget it. You've committed certain sins and you're still thinking about it. I'll never forget speak to certain friends and they've shared with me some stories of the abortions that they've gone through. And the stain of it still haunts them it still haunts them. But I want you to understand that God has covered every single one of your sin. God will continue to protect you and God will continue to raise a standard over your life. Because if there's one thing I've always said is this, don't dwell on the sin, sorry, don't dwell on your sins. If you still feel like a disgrace, you may be dissing God's grace. If you still feel like a disgrace, you may be dissing God's grace. What do I mean by that? You still feel that your sin is bigger than God's grace. So therefore, the grace that God has given you, like now, nah, like, it's God, it's not good enough because I've covered it. no, No, it's not good enough. But we must, must, must be aware that we must cling on to God. We must trust God with our whole mind, with our whole body, with our whole soul. Because what can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation? Shall distress? Shall persecution? Shall famine? Shall nakedness, peril, or the sword? For it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who what? loves us God loves you there is freedom in the father to go from slave to sonship you need to be aware that God loves you and as I close we must understand that God delights in mercy and throws your sin into the sea God delights in mercy and throws your sin into the sea what do I mean by that turn with me to the book of Micah chapter 7 and I'm going to read from verses 18 to 19 Micah chapter 7, I'm going to read from verses 18 to 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He doesn't retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Verse 19, he would again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. The God that we serve is such an amazing God. Is such an amazing God that he pardons your iniquities. Every single sin, every single thing you've ever even thought of in your mind, he casts it into the sea. You know why? Because if there's one thing about God, he delights in mercy. Do you know when somebody delights in something, they want to give it to you. They're eager to give it to you. He He doesn't want separation from you because he knows that when you are in unison with him, when you are in oneness with him, And you love God and you understand the love of God that loves you. And he will never be separated from you. What can separate us from the love of God? The thing with that scripture I used to read, I used to think it was my love for him. No, it's God's love for me. Freedom in the Father. From slave to sonship. Why? Because he subdues our iniquities. And he will cast all of our sins into the sea. And understand these four scriptures for you to remember this. There is a seat at the table for you when you become his son there is a seat at the table for you when you become his daughter romans 8 verse 16 the spirit of him bears witness of our spirit that we are children of god galatians chapter 4 verse 6 and because you are sons god has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying out abba father if there's one thing about that word abba whether you say it backwards or you say it forward you're saying it the same way Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. When you're adopted, you are now a child. When you're a child, you're now a son or daughter. When you're a son or daughter, you find freedom in your father. And the last scripture for you today, Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. sonship you're free don't be a slave don't hang on to your past sins be free in him trust in him for your father loves you and whoever the son sets free is free indeed Bow your heads and let us pray heavenly father lord i thank you for today Father I thank you for your grace your love I thank you O God that you will continue to have your mighty right hand over every single person in this place as we conclude and complete this sermon freedom in the father from slave to sonship I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that nobody will walk in the slavery of their previous sins but they will find freedom in Christ Jesus they will no longer be bound by their mistakes and their mishaps but they will find mercy and find mercy in a father that delights in giving mercy freely father have your way in us have your way in us walk in us and and help us be renewed in you and lastly i just want to quickly pray for anybody here that doesn't know the heavenly father if you're going to church but you do not have a relationship with the true and living king through jesus christ our lord and savior that died for us please understand that listening to the sermon is vanity unless you truly have a relationship with christ jesus who died for you and died for me and with that said if you do not know Jesus.